Chapter Eight of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Casting the bait, loving and perishing, these have tallied from eternity. Love and death walk hand in hand. The will to love means also to be ready for death. Gabrielle Hayburn recognized this truth. She had the will to love, and she had the resolve to perish, perish by her own hand, rather than allow her secret to be exposed. Those who knew her, a young, athletic, merry-faced, open-air girl on the verge of budding womanhood, so true-hearted, frank and free, little dreamed of the terrible nature of that secret within her young heart. She held aloof from her lover as much as she dared. True, Walter came to Glencardine nearly every day, but she managed to avoid him whenever possible. Why? Because she knew her own weakness. She feared being compelled by his stronger nature, and by the true affection which she held him to confess they walked together in the cool shady glen beside the rippling burn climbed the neighboring hills played tennis or else she lay in the hammock at the edge of the lawn while he lounged at her side smoking cigarettes she did all this because she was compelled her most enjoyable hours were the quiet ones spent at her father's side alone in the library she read to him in french those curious business documents which came so often by registered post. They were so strangely worded that, not knowing their true import, she failed to understand them. All were neatly typed, without any heading to the paper. Sometimes a printed address in the Boulevard des Capuchines, Paris, would appear on letters accompanying the enclosures. But all were very formal, and to Gabrielle, extremely puzzling sir henry always took the greatest precaution that no one should obtain sight of these confidential reports or overhear them read by his daughter before she sat down to read she always shot the small brass bolt on the door to prevent hill or any other intruder from entering more than once the baronet's wife had wanted to come in while the reading was in progress whereupon sir henry always excused himself saying that he locked his door against his guests when he wished to be alone an explanation which her ladyship accepted these strangely worded reports in french always puzzled the baronet's daughter sometimes she became seized by a vague suspicion that her father was carrying on some business which was not altogether honourable why should he enjoin such secrecy why should he cause her to write and dispatch with her own hand such curiously worded telegrams addressed always to the registered address metfaro paris those neatly typed pages which she read could be always construed in two or three senses but only her father knew the actual meaning which the writer intended to convey for hours she would often be engaged in reading them sometimes too telegrams in cipher arrived and she would then obtain the little dark blue covered book from the safe and by its aid decipher the messages from the french capital questions curious questions were frequently asked by the anonymous sender of the reports and to these her father replied by means of his private code she had become during the past year quite an expert typist and therefore to her the baronet entrusted the replies always impressing upon her the need of absolute secrecy even from her mother my affairs he often declared concern nobody but myself i trust in you gabrielle dear to guard my secrets from prying eyes. I know that you, yourself, must often be puzzled, but that is only natural. 
unfamiliar as the girl was with business in any form she had during the past year arrived at the conclusion after much debate within herself that this source of her father's income was a distinctly mysterious one the estates were of course large and he employed agents to manage them but they could not produce that huge income which she knew he possessed for had she not more than once seen the amount of his balance at his bankers as well as the large sum he had on deposit the source of his colossal wealth was a mystery but was no doubt connected with his curious and constant communications with paris at rare intervals a grey-faced grey-bearded and rather stout frenchman a certain monsieur goslin called and on such occasions was closeted for a long time alone with sir henry evidently discussing some important affair in secret to her ladyship as well as to gabrielle the frenchman was most courteous but refused the pressing invitations to remain the night he always arrived by the morning train from perth and left for the south the same night the express being stopped for him by signal at octeradar station the mysterious visitor puzzled gabrielle considerably her father entrusted him with secrets which he withheld from her and this often caused her both surprise and annoyance like every other girl she was of course full of curiosity towards her flockart became daily more friendly on two occasions after breakfast he had invited her to spend an hour or two fishing for trout in the burn which was unexpectedly in spate and they had thus been some time in each other's company she however regarded him with distinct distrust he was undeniably good-looking nonchalant and a thorough-going man of the world but his intimate friendship with lady heyburn prevented her from regarding him as a true friend towards her he was ever most courteous and paid her many little compliments he tied her flies he fitted her rod and if her line became entangled in the trees he always put matters right not however that she could not do it all by herself in her strong high fishing boots her short skirts hemmed with leather her burberry and her dark blue tam o shanter set jauntily on her chestnut hair she very often fished alone and made quite respectable baskets to wade into the burn and disentangle her line from beneath the stone was to her quite a small occurrence for she would never let either stuart or any of the underkeepers accompany her why flockhart had so suddenly sought her society she failed to discern hitherto though always extremely polite he had treated her as a child which she naturally resented at length however he seemed to have realized that she now possessed the average intelligence of a young woman he had never repeated those strange words he had uttered when on the night of the ball at conican he returned in secret to the castle and beckoned her out upon the lawn he had indeed never referred to his curious action sometimes she wondered so changed was his manner whether he had actually forgotten the incident altogether he had showed himself in his true colours that night whatever suspicions she had previously held were corroborated in that stroll across the lawn in the dark shadow his tactics had altered it seemed and their objective puzzled her it must be very dull for you here miss heyburn he remarked to her one bright morning as they were casting upstream near one another they were standing not far from a rustic bridge in a deep leafy glen where the sunshine penetrated here and there through the canopy of leaves 
beneath which the burn pursued its sinuous course towards the urn the music of the rippling waters over the brown moss-grown boulders mingled with the rustle of the leaves above as now and then the soft wind swept up the narrow valley they were treading a carpet of wild flowers and the air was full of the delicious perfume of the summer day you must be very dull living here so much and going up to town so very seldom he said oh dear no she laughed you are quite mistaken i really enjoy a country life it's so jolly after the confinement and rigorous rules of school one is free up here i can wear my old clothes and go cycling fishing shooting curling in fact i am my own mistress that i shouldn't be if i lived in london and had to make calls walk in the park go shopping sit out concerts and all that sort of thing but though you're out you never go anywhere surely that's unusual for one so active and well he hesitated i wonder whether i might be permitted to say so so good-looking as you are gabrielle ah replied the girl protesting but blushing at the same time you're poking fun at me mr flockhart all i can reply is first that i am not good-looking and secondly i am not in the least dull perhaps i should be if i hadn't my father's affairs to attend to they seem to take up a lot of your time he said with pretended indifference but to his annoyance landed a salmon par at the same moment we worked together most evenings was her reply the question which he then put as he threw the par back into the burn struck her as curious it was evident that he was endeavouring to learn from her the nature of her father's correspondence but she was shrewd enough to parry all his ingenuous cross-questioning her father's secrets were her own some ill-natured people gossip about sir henry he remarked presently as he made another long cast upstream and allowed the flies to be carried down to within a few yards from where he stood they say that his source of income is mysterious and that it is not altogether open and above board what she exclaimed looking at him quickly and who pray mr flockhart makes this allegation against my father oh i really don't know who started the gossip the source of such tales is always difficult to discover some enemy no doubt every man in this world of ours has enemies what do you mean by the source of dad's income not being an honourable one the man shrugged his shoulders i really don't know he declared i only repeat what i've heard once or twice up in london tell me exactly what they say demanded the girl with quick interest her companion hesitated for a few seconds well whatever has been said i've always denied for as you know i am a friend of both lady heyburn and of your father the girl's nostrils dilated slightly friend why was not this man her father's false friend was he not behind every sinister action of lady heyburn's and had not she herself with her own ears one day at park street four years ago overheard her ladyship express a dastardly desire in the words oh henry is such a dreadful old bore and so utterly useless that it's a shame a woman like myself should be tied up to him fortunately for me he already has one foot in the grave otherwise i couldn't tolerate this life at all those cruel words of her stepmother's spoken to this man who was at that moment her companion recurred to her she recollected too flockhart's reply this hollow pretense of friendship angered her she knew that the man was her father's enemy and that he had united with the clever scheming woman in some ingenuous conspiracy against the poor helpless man 
therefore she turned and facing him boldly she said i wish mr flockhart that you would please understand that i have no intention to discuss my father or his affairs the latter concern himself alone he does not even speak of them to his wife therefore why should strangers evince any interest in them because there are rumors rumors of a mystery and mysteries are always interesting and attractive was his answer true she said meaningly just as rumors concerning certain of my father's guests possess an unusual interest for him mr flockhart though my father may be blind his hearing is still excellent and he is aware of much more than you think the man glanced at her for an instant and his face darkened the girl's ominous words filled him with vague apprehension was it possible that the blind man had any suspicion of what was intended he held his breath and made another vicious cast far up the rippling stream End of chapter eight